life. The Bible describes it as abundant, powerful, and filled with meaning, but honestly, some would say, that's not the life they know. God feels far away, silent. Their life is mundane and unfulfilling, but what if God were close? What if life felt alive and full of power? This is a six-part series about the Spirit of God living in us. One more time. I feel like we're doing that a lot today. Glad to see you guys. So we are in a series called God Within. And uh, if you've been here, we've been doing this for a few weeks now. And it is all about the kind of life that we're supposed to have when the Spirit of God lives inside of us. It's supposed to change things from the way life was before the Spirit of God lived inside of us, right? Everybody with me on that one? Right, that's where we've been so far. And so, uh, you know, one of the things that we do as people is we react to things, right? Y'all react to things? And, and we do what we would call sometimes a pendulum swing. We'll go from one bad experience to the complete opposite extreme. Here's an example. My wife and I went to a, a retreat. It was a pastor's retreat a few years ago in Charleston. And Charleston is known for its food, right? So we get there before the first session and we go to this restaurant right down the street from the hotel and they had this meal that looked perfect for me. It was like the meat eater's delight of some sort. There was, there was this sandwich and if I recall correctly now, uh, the experience has caused me to really try to block it out of my mind. But at the time, I think it was steak covered with some roast beef or turkey, one of those two with a bunch of cheese and then bacon on top of that. I mean, if, if you're like a carnivore like me, this was dream, it was awesome. Until about 30 minutes later, not so awesome. I missed the first day and a half of the conference. I did not even leave my hotel room. People thought my wife went there by herself and we were not fighting or we were fighting, we we're talking to each other anymore. I mean, it was all just cause of this sandwich. At least I blame the sandwich. So here's what you do. When you finally start feeling a little bit better, you can take a breath and you can get out of the hotel room. We do the pendulum swing. And I went around saying, do we have like apples and vegetables? Is there like raw vegetables around here somewhere? Because you just, you just blame whatever that bad experience is and you want to go to the, the complete opposite. Since churches are just groups of people, that's what we do. The exact same thing as groups. We'll have something happen either in history or to one of us as a group, and then we'll go to the complete opposite extreme there. And one of the things that the church has done the greatest pendulum swing on and back and forth for 2,000 years now is the topic of the Holy Spirit. Because you go to a church and it's weird. It's too spiritual. People are doing really strange things. And you can't wait to get out of there, and you're really, really glad the friends you invited didn't show up that day, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so we, we pendulum swing from the weirdness over to the other side where we want to be reputable and, and, and stand up straight and be very reverent of a holy God and make sure everything is nice and in order. But then what happens when we go all the way to the other extreme is somehow all the stuff we read about in the Bible quits happening. There's nothing cool and supernatural and there's no amazing miracle or anything else, but it's all nice and packaged in a neat little box now. And so those reactions that we make can cost us. And I think one of the most expensive things for the church over the last 2,000 years, one of the things that it's cost us is an understanding of our spiritual gifts. You see, we're supposed to be 
empowered by God when he lives inside of us to do things that we couldn't do any other way. And once we begin to react to that, we're like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to talk about spiritual gifts. I don't want to think about that. Or, or I'm good this way. I'm glad I'm going to heaven. I like Jesus up there. You know, things just get a little too weird. We miss out on this. But here's the question that you and I should be asking. Maybe we already are asking. It would be great if you were. And the question is, how can we allow the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us to work through us to do miraculous things? Are you asking that question? If not, then that means that you wake up every day and don't really care if anything miraculous happens because you're on planet Earth and you're filled with the presence of God. That's something we should start asking ourselves, I think. And the answer to that, how can God use us? How can he do these things that would be so out of the box compared to the natural world that we see every day is our spiritual gifts that he's put inside of each one of us individually. Matter of fact, it's so important that that's why this guy named Paul, who wrote a large part of our New Testament, used to go around killing Christians. And once he became a believer, it became one of the main points of his message to make sure that people who were following Jesus understood that they were supposed to be empowered, that there were things inside of them would change their life. And so before we get to our main passage, I just want to read you two sentences out of two different places where he speaks. We're going to do this on a couple of points today. One of them is this. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be uninformed. Because they were. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. Some versions use the word ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want to help educate you. I want you to know about what God has put in you so that you can make a difference with your life. He also says this, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Another version says eagerly, eagerly desiring spiritual gifts. Okay, let me tell you how eagerly works. Eagerly is a five-year-old on Christmas Eve who cannot sleep. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. And they're looking under the, I know I did this. I remember doing this. Uh, it was whatever, the, we were in a temporary situation because we were building a brand new house and I was in kindergarten and I still, the visual image is still there of me trying to, because I had to sleep in my sister's bedroom that night because my bedroom was actually the living room because it was like temporary house for four months while our house was being built. So I couldn't be in the living room because that's where the gifts were being set up. So I was in my sister's room looking under the, the crack of the door trying to see what's going on and I couldn't wait to, to get up in the morning and see what I'm going to get in so excited. Do we do that? Oh, I can't wait to wake up tomorrow and see what God's going to do through me. I can't wait to see what God put in me. This is all. We, we, we probably aren't very eager. So here's my desire for us as a church is that we would get what Paul's talking about. That we would encounter something that we have not encountered. So I want to risk a little bit today by talking to you about spiritual gifts. And I realize that that's already the risk because so far in the series, people have loved this series. People have been patting me on the back and thanking me. And that may end today. <laughs> because so far, everybody is really excited. Oh, thank you, Jimmy. I really needed the encouragement of knowing the Spirit of God's always there. He understands me. Well, that was so uplifting. Thank you for that message. Oh, and last week, the, oh, that was so good on hearing God's voice. I love that I can hear God's voice. Thank you for that message. Well, today I'm going to mess things up a little bit. We're going to get things a little risky, and some people are going to wonder, you know, if you're in the right place anymore. But here is what, what the point is. When God sends his spirit to live inside of us, we then receive spiritual gifts. All it proves is what we've known all along. The Holy Spirit is a southerner. <laughs> Come on, right? 
We're in the South. You invite a Southerner. I'm sorry for all of you people from Canada, but when, when, when you invite a Southerner over, what do they do? They bring gifts. Okay, so when the Holy Spirit moves in, he brings you gifts. The problem we have is we do exactly what you do when somebody brings you something you don't want. You say, oh, thank you so much. Sit that right over there. Okay, and I'll just ignore it. And we don't understand what God has for us and what he's doing through us. So here's what we're going to do. I want to kind of walk you through um, a little process. We're going to talk about why, and then we're going to talk about what, and then we're going to talk about how. Um, because I think the most important one is always why. If we're ever going to talk about anything, let's always find out why. So why does God give us spiritual gifts? Why does it matter? If you've got your Bibles, most everything we're going to do today is just one uh, passage. It's, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can turn with me. If not, it's going to be on the screen right behind me. So we're going to kind of start in the middle of the chapter where, where the Bible says this, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Hold on to those words for the common good, and we'll come back to those in a second. And it says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, because they wanted to be a hand, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Now, when you read that, that, that almost sounds facetious, doesn't it? It's almost like, did it, how did this really make the cut for the Bible? This is not one of the, the most well-crafted passages, like a hand could actually just go away and do its own thing. And you imagine as you and I sit here and we look at our hand, we think, yeah, that's, that's pretty stupid. I mean, like, go ahead. I dare you. Try it. I mean, it can't go away and say, well, I wanted to be the heart. I didn't get to be the heart. I'm leaving you now. <laughs> but it's what we do. And we do it with the same foolishness because as much as our mind knows that's not possible, God, who is way supreme to us, looks down at us as we sit there and go, uh, well, you won't let me play with my toys the way I want to. I'm not going to be a part of your group anymore. We have people try out for the worship team who think they can sing because their mama loved when they could sing because only their mama could love the way they sing. And when we say, have you thought about joining another team? They go, I'm not going to be a part of this church. I'm going to go somewhere where people know my gifts. Or we put somebody on the nursery team. I'm just making this up. It's not like it's, it's, not like it's ever really happened. Or we put them in the nursery and every time they go to touch a child, the child starts screaming and crying. They go to another child, that child screams and cries. And we say, maybe we should put you on a different team. Well, if you won't let me come and, and be with the kids because I have such a heart for children, I'm just not going to be around here anymore. And, and we have this idea that the, the gift that I think I have, even if I have it, it's all about me doing my thing. And it has nothing to do with the rest of the body. We do exactly what this is talking about, just as facetiously. Well, you say I'm a hand? I don't think so. I'm a heart. My mom always said I'm a heart. She said I'm a good heart. And if you don't understand I'm a heart, I'm just going to take my heart and I'm going to leave. He goes on. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? And, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? I mean, what if God had just put a bunch of hands on a stick? <laughs> Praise God, he's more creative than that. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. 
nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you, but you know what? We do that as well. And we actually say it twice. We say it in two different ways. The first one is when we look at other people and say, I have no need of you because I don't need your gifts. You see, one of our biggest faults as Americans and as humans, so we get it double. Most of us in this room get it double as we are fiercely independent. I can do this. I can solve my problem. I can take care of myself. And to tell people where we struggle is considered a sign of weakness, right? Survival of the fittest. Got to keep my problems to myself. And so when you are really struggling with something, like say you're depressed, and you need somebody that God gave the gift of encouragement to, you don't want to tell them you're depressed. So you stay depressed because you don't go to the hand and say, I really need a hand right now. We don't do that. And then the other thing we say it the same way, but on the flip side is because the enemy has convinced us you are nothing. God could never use you. Don't you know who you really are? Don't you remember? Okay, okay, he forgave you, but he would never use you. And so we tell people, yeah, I'm a hand, but this hand ain't got nothing for you. I can't help you. Listen, here's the thing. The enemy may not be able to stop you from going to heaven, but he would love it if you were useless on planet earth. He would love it if you thought you didn't need anybody else. And he would love it if you thought you had nothing to offer anyone else. But here's the truth. What we're seeing here in this passage is that we are each one of us part of a much bigger whole. It's the family of God on planet earth, also known in the Bible as the body of Christ. We are Jesus' body. And what we need to realize is that the primary purpose of our gifts, are you hearing this? The first reason that you have spiritual gifts is not even for you, but it's for each other. It is not to be weird. It's not to do weird things. A lot of us try to avoid those churches that talk about spiritual gifts, or we avoid people who talk about doing spiritual things because they think it's all about being weird. They think the more the manifestation, the more spiritual they are, but it really has nothing to do with that. It is about building up the body. It is about building up God's family. Our gifts are for each other. We all have abilities that each other needs. Think about this. When you have a tough day and you don't have any answers, you ever had one of those days where all you can do is crawl to your car and then go home and shut the blinds and you don't care what time it is, the kids are going to bed, even if you've got a Benadryl, you don't know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Never done that, just so you know. <laughs> and you just think, man, and what you need is somebody with the gift of encouragement that's going to come along and somebody who can help you. What about when you're sick and the doctor has no answer? You need somebody with the gift of healing. What about, you, you want to learn something. You need somebody who has a gift of teaching. What if you're, you're, you're wishing that you could be in a group of people and you wish that there actually were friendships and community. You need somebody with the gift of hospitality. You see, all of this is from God. It's the way he's created us because we need each other to get through those days. And don't flip here just one quick sentence again. Paul, in another place, making this point that each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. I want to back up and clarify this. How many times has Paul alone this morning to us said each of us? Now, I want you to, we're going to actually interactive exercise with me. Does everybody do this? Your hands work? All right, try this. If I said each one of you today will receive a million dollars on the way out, how many of you would expect to take a million dollars on the way out the door? Okay, some of you are just being rude to me or you didn't follow that logic very well. All right. So when the Bible says to each one of you, the Holy Spirit has given 
an impartation. To each one of us, we have at least one gift that he has given to us. Why? To serve others and, and follow this next phrase as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. See, we miss out on that. That is, that is so important on those days when all you can do is crawl to your car and get to bed and you don't care about the rest of the world because you have nothing more to offer. And you, if, if somebody else says another word to you, you may go postal. When you're having one of those days, you know what you need? You need the grace of God. It is the grace of God that enables you to make it one more step. It is the grace of God that enables you to just say, I, I can't handle this. I'm just going to lay this down right now. It's the grace of God. that, And so the Bible actually says, when you show up and each one of us uses whatever spiritual gift of its hospitality or its encouragement, or it's given somebody a word straight from God, that you're actually bestowing grace in different forms. You're bringing grace that they need because they can't handle it on their own anymore. And if God's grace doesn't show up, they're just going to lay flat on the ground and say, I'm done. We actually get, it's not just something God does. He actually lets us bring grace to people. I don't know about you, but that just changed my purpose for getting out of bed. That's kind of cool when you think about it. We become the grace of God in a practical way to people. So here's the point. The gifts that God puts in you, they're for others. They're not just for you. And I need you to hear this. That means they're also not for you to ignore. Because we do the pendulum swing. That church was too weird. I'm going to go over here. My aunt, she's a little too wacky. I'm going to go over here. Whatever the case is, we just say, I'm not going to have anything to do with that stuff. And I'm just going to be nice, safe little person who's going to go to heaven at the end of life. It's not your right to ignore what God put in you. It is not your right to say, I will not do what God wants to do through me. It's not our place. It's become our place because we react to whatever weirdness we have seen. Now, that's why we have spiritual gifts. Let's talk about what spiritual gifts are. When we talk about gifts in the Bible, the term is used with great variety. And it's used throughout a great portion of Scripture. And so there are different types of gifts and different groups of gifts and different sorts of things. But I really just want to point out two of the biggest groups, really how everything fits into one of these two groups. Every gift fits into one of these two groups. And one of the groups is, is what you have naturally. And you say, well, wait a minute, I thought we were talking about spiritual. Yeah, because a spiritual God created you and he put natural abilities in you to accomplish a spiritual purpose. You see, some of us are naturally teachers. Before I began to teach the Bible, I used to teach music. And before I taught music, I was teaching other kids even in high school. I was always, I'm, I'm just a natural teacher. I, I just, I always look at how people are struggling to learn something. And it's just a gift God has given me. I can see why they can't learn that. Like I'm one of those nerds that understood calculus. I am. And, and so I was actually really good in algebra when everybody else didn't get why A squared plus B squared equals C squared. But it's just somehow, even before I followed Jesus, I could see where the disconnect was and I could explain it in a way different from what the teacher just explained and they would get it. It's just a natural yet spiritual gift that God put in me. I'm just a teacher. And there are people who are other things. Like the, the, the fact that I can get up here and do this. I love what I do. Some of you would be terrified because God didn't put this in you. 
And there are people who are natural leaders. We look at leadership. We've seen people who are not even believers, who are great generals or presidents because they're natural leaders. And if they were in a room with 10 people and, and somebody says, well, what should we do? They're going, well, here's what we need to do. Here's how we need to do it. You, that, you, that. I mean, they, they would take charge in a second. And if somebody tries to take them out there, no, uh-uh, they're going to take that person out if they don't let them be in charge. You've been around those people. And then there are some of you that are not at all like that. If we put you in a room and said, now we're all going to watch you and follow you, tell us what to do, you would start crying and crawl under a chair. <laughs> They're incredibly natural. Here's the thing. We don't realize that our makeup is actually from God. Some of us serve. We just serve. What can I do to help you? We give. Some of us are givers. Some of us are hospitable. Not just Southerners. Some people are just natural. Oh, come on over. Come on in. Let me bake some cookies for you. It's just the way we are. Here's the thing. All humans, all humans on planet Earth are created by God and are given some of these God-created abilities. You don't have to be a Christian to do these things. Then there's the other group. And these are a lot more spiritual. And they actually require a supernatural God to show up and do something. If a supernatural God doesn't show up, these gifts don't work. And the only people who have these gifts are believers who have said, Jesus is my king, therefore Jesus' spirit lives inside of me. And because of that, he imparts things to me that I could not do naturally, that were not there in the beginning, but are only there now. These are very specific to how the Holy Spirit works through them. These are things like healing, I mean, as much as I want to, if I'm not a believer in Jesus and I see somebody in a wheelchair and say, get up out of what, it's not going to happen. Because it is the Spirit of God that's going to touch that person and bring them out of a wheelchair. I can't make that happen. How about a miracle? Has anybody ever performed a miracle? Did, did you do that? I didn't even see any hands go up. But if one hand had gone up, I'd say, you know that was God working through you. We know I can't make a miracle happen. Right now, I cannot go outside and make the, the hurricane that's blowing in on us. I, I can't just make it suddenly move in an instant. I, I don't have that power. That if God wants to make that hurricane move and he wants to do it through me, that it's going to have to be him. It's going to have to be a supernatural thing that he does because I'm a believer. It's a completely different type of gifts. I want to show this to you in scripture. Now we're going to start in verse 4. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them and there are different kinds of service but the same lord and there are different kinds of working but in all of them and in everyone it is the same god at work and so now to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good to one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. And all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit as he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. I've got two questions for you. The first one is, did I just read anything that you wished happened to you more often? Amen. And did I just, second question, did I just read something you're really glad doesn't happen more often? 
Like seriously, what if I said, somebody who has the gift of healing is going to stand right here on this corner of the stage and any of you who has any infirmity from, from a cold to cancer, the doctor says he can't do anything with, on your way out today, you walk up here and this person is going to touch you and the Spirit of God is going to heal you and you will never be sick again by the time you hit that door. Who wants that? What if I said that somebody who has the gift of faith is going to stand right here in the middle of this stage and whatever financial problems you have that you don't believe God can deal with, whatever relational problems you have, you don't believe God can deal with. Maybe you've got that marriage that's a disaster and everything you've tried will never work and you don't think anybody can do anything. I'm going to tell you, this guy, he has the gift of faith for God to move. He has more faith than you have, more hope than you have. He's going to stand here. He's going to pray with you and whatever problem you have, the spirit of God is going to touch and solve before you hit that door. Who wants that? But then what if I told you? And then on this corner of the stage, we're going to have somebody up here speaking in tongues. <laughs> Who's going to head for the door right now? <laughs> Look, I get it. Some of that's weird. Some of it we don't understand. Some of it there's a lot of debate about by now in 2015, and that's not what I am here to do today. That's not even the button that I want to push. What I want to get at is this. The first group I talked about, group of gifts, the ones that are in all of us, we're very comfortable with them. We say things like, he's a natural leader. She's so hospitable. He's so encouraging, he can make a tree smile. We say things like that about people all the time because we're simply recognizing what is in them and what God has made them to do, and it may have nothing to do with God in their lives. See, I've got a couple of degrees in music, so I'm going to tell you a story I know, and it's a guy you've all heard of, Mozart. Everybody's heard of Mozart, right? Mozart was gifted by God, so gifted by God, there's no way a human being could do what he do if God had not made him to do Matter of fact, God, to our knowledge, has never made another person to do what he could do. This guy was writing music at three and four years old. He wrote his first symphony at six years old. I know six-year-olds that can't spell a sentence. I've got two degrees in music, and I can't write a symphony at 42. He did it at six years old. And just to prove that his gift was so from God, he went to a concert at the Vatican. This is a cool story. He went to a concert at the Vatican. Everybody knows about the Vatican, right? They've got walls, and they like to protect things, and they like to keep things away from people. Well, there had been a special piece of music they had composed just for them sometime throughout the centuries, and they kept it in their vaults at the Vatican. And they had decided to bring this piece of music out and perform it. And, and Mozart was there at the performance. And he's also a bit of a smart aleck. And so they, they did this entire performance. And we're not talking about like three notes, Mary Had a Little Lamb, by the way. We're talking about an entire symphony orchestral kind of work with tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, probably millions of notes to be literally correct. And, and so they, they performed the piece and they put it back in the vault, and he goes back home to his home country, which was either Germany or Austria at the time, and he writes it all down, <laughs> note for note, and mails a copy back and says, there you go. You can't do that if God didn't make you that way. And he never used one day of his life for God. Horrible death. We don't even know where he is buried. He totally destroyed his life so far by the end. He was thrown into a mass grave as a drunkard. No one knows where the great Mozart is today. That's what you can do with the incredible talent God has put in you that you don't recognize is from him. That's the first group. But the second group, though, we're less comfortable with because if God doesn't show up, it simply isn't there. We actually have to trust that a supernatural God 
is doing something intangible and is using us to do it. And we're not comfortable with these because they're simply not from the realm that we're from. We were born on planet earth. We're used to touching things and tasting things and smelling things and seeing things. And if you can't see it, it's not there, right? Are y'all with me? You can't see it, it's not there? Got any parents in here whose kids have a friend that isn't really there? Imaginary friends? Well, you can't see it, so he's not real. And when they get old enough, they'll figure out their friend isn't real. Because if you can't see it, and that's the realm we come from. And we do the same thing to the power of God. If I can't touch it, if I can't put it in my pocket, if I can't read about it in a book and recreate it in a science classroom, it is not real. And we miss out because we do not allow God's spirit to empower us to do things. I want to give you an example. I want you to think about this. It's Mother's Day, right? So imagine most of us are going to lunch. If you're going home and making your wife cook and she's a mom, you are like in trouble, just so you know. <laughs> So most of us are going to go out today. We're going to a restaurant. We're going to take our, our moms or our wives or whatever the case is out. I want you to imagine as you're sitting in that restaurant that over in the corner, you see a mom by herself. Because maybe her kids just lived too far away. It wasn't worth the trouble to come. Or maybe she only has one child and they've been not talking for the last decade. And as you look at her and your heart breaks for her and you think, man, God, what kind of screwed up world do you run? I mean, look at her pain. What are you going to do about that? You and your spiritual gifts is what he's going to do about that. You're the one that he's going to say, oh, I see her pain. I hear her tell me every day. Matter of fact, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to walk right over to that table and say, God told me to tell you. Who wants to go do that? Exactly. You don't mind doing your music or your leadership or your teaching or all those things God put in you when you were born that's a part of your destiny. But to say, Spirit of God, come and do something that if you don't show up, I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to be a failure. I need you to be supernatural through me right now. How about a sick person? You guys ever see sick people and just compassion pours out for you? I mean, in you, pours out for them? Like maybe you're just, every time in the mall, you see somebody who's, who's handicapped or in a wheelchair or just whatever the story is, it just, it breaks your heart. You just go, God, why do they have to be that way? Heal them. But you do it from the other side of the mall in safety without embarrassment. When do you want to risk? The Bible actually says lay hands on them. There is something about taking a vessel that is both natural and spiritual and is filled with the supernatural spirit of the one living creator God and touching something that is sick and watching it be healed or come to life. The Bible tells us to do that. Really? I'm not 100% sure why. We'll ask when we get to heaven, but in the meantime, we just do. When are you going to risk walking up to that person and saying, excuse me, I, I know it's going to be weird, but See, I believe the Spirit of God lives in me, and I believe that He wants to fix what has gone wrong in your body. Can I pray for you right here, right now? And, and, and I admit, if a supernatural God doesn't show up right now, I'm going to look like an idiot. We're not comfortable with that, are we? We don't want to do that. But it's the gifts we're least comfortable with that we most read about in the Bible and say, I wish my life were like that. Those are the things we're jealous of. 
Because here's the thing about this. You read about the book of Acts, right? That's the one with a lot of the cool stuff. And you read about these people and all these amazing things are happening. What we haven't discovered is the missing piece. Here's what's going on. In the book of Acts, they have sick people. And in the book of Acts, they have a supernatural God. And what they have in between is the people of God who are willing to actually do something. And what we have today that lacks is we still have sick people and we still have a supernatural God, but we go, oh, you know, i got to stay reverent. don't want to be too weird. don't want to walk over to that person, you know, and then if I go and pray for them and they're not healed, I might have just made them more depressed about their sickness, so I'm being godly by not praying for them. God, you should thank me. I don't want them angry at you because I prayed in your name and you didn't heal them. They'll be twice as mad at you, so I'm doing you a favor, God. We are what's missing from the book of Acts existing in 2015. The brokenness and the sickness and everything else is still there. It's all still there. I want you to follow this. Since our gifts are not for us but for others, and since our gifts are part of how we make a difference in the world, when we don't use our gifts, the people around you are hurting and missing out on what God has for them. We're literally stealing from them. It'd be the same as if we watched a $100 bill fall out of their pocket and we just watched. Knowing that we have the ability to pick it up and hand it back. It also means that you have some of your personal mission going unfulfilled. God put something in you to do and you're simply not doing it. And you wake up every day and wish life had more meaning and more purpose. And you wish that God would pay more attention to you. He wants to. And he wants to give you that purpose and he wants to give you that meaning. And I'm going to tell you, I've traveled the world and I've seen cool stuff happen. I've been around watching people get healed. And there is nothing that will put you on cloud nine faster than being part of it. It also means... That overall on planet earth, the family of God is weak at doing what God put us here to do. So that's the why, that's the what. Let's quickly cover the how. It's actually very easy. Number one, invite. Just invite. Just say, Holy Spirit, I get it. Some of this stuff is weird. I'm natural. It's spiritual. It's different. I'm not even sure if I'm going to be able to handle it all, but here's the deal. I want it. I want to be used by you to touch people in a way that other human beings can't. I want to be used by you in a way that makes people sit up and go, God is real. I want to be used by you in a way that makes people's lives change, their eternal destiny change. And number two, discover and develop. You know, there are books written on spiritual gifts. The Bible has a lot to say about spiritual gifts. Maybe read that. We've got life groups that teach this specifically how we can be incredibly spiritual without being too weird. We've got a life group for that. We do. I teach it. And then just try something in faith. Seriously. If you really would love to see people healed, if that's the yearning in your heart, then just start praying for sick people and see if they get better. I mean, seriously, you can't do anything wrong. You know, if you think that God would like to encourage that sad looking person across the restaurant, then ask God, God, what would you like me to say to him? And go over there and say something. You're not going to figure out until you try if this is what God has put in you. But he's put something in you. He's put something in every single one of us. And the gifts that God has put in us, they're simply the way God wants us to use us. Now, at this point, everybody I've ever heard preach uses 
this point to give out the caveat on spiritual gifts. Because I've got to warn you, you know. I don't want you to get so caught up in chasing spiritual gifts that you miss God. You ever heard the one that says, make sure you're pursuing the giver more than the gift? That might be good advice. I don't really know. Because for me, I have a struggle. How can I tell you to pursue the one true living God and at the same time make sure you don't get too much of the one true living God working through you to change the world? I don't really know how to balance those. So you figure it out if you can. Here's what I know. We must eagerly desire and pursue spiritual gifts if we want to be good stewards of the life God has given us. Did y'all, y'all hear what I just said? Did y'all agree with what I just said? Because I just took away from you your permission to ignore me today. I get it. I preach every week. Some of them you like, some of them you don't. Some of them you agree with, some of them you don't. Sometimes you're like, hey, good job, Jimmy. And sometimes you're like, oh, we'll just ignore that one. I just took away your permission to ignore this message because of everything that I've said so far today. Here is the truth. We must, in order to fulfill Scripture, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, and we must pursue them earnestly if we want to be good stewards of the life God has given us. It's no longer an option. This is why Paul said this, and I'm closing with this. For this reason, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God which is in you. I want you to imagine a reality TV show, one of those survival shows, you know, where they like drop Bear girls off out of an air helicopter or something on an island and he's got nothing. And it's cold and raining and his job is to make a little lean-to that he can sleep in that night and he's got to start a little fire. And his ability to stay warm and maybe not die and especially to not get eaten by a really big animal is that fire. Now picture this. So whatever method he uses, he gets this tiny little spark going. You ever watched one of those reality shows when after two days they finally get that first spark? They treat it like it's their firstborn child. Oh my gosh, my life depends upon this. My life and, and your life, if you're with me, depends upon me turning this flicker into a flame that will survive. People around you, their very lives depend upon you fanning into flame that little flicker of a gift you've been ignoring that God wants to use to change them. Their lives depend upon it. If we could just see that picture. Your lives and the lives of others in God's family, as well as the ability to bring people into God's family, it all depends upon you faithfully using your spiritual gifts. So let me ask you this. What are you doing with what you've been given? Now, I want to turn my attention to those who you left me about 20 minutes ago. When I first mentioned to you that only Christians have this one group of gifts and you got a little offended, well, if you're a little offended, I'm talking to the right person. The Bible tells us that when we give our lives to Jesus, He He puts a spirit inside of us to mark us. You see, it's kind of like this question people all the time ask you. It's really, it's a foolish question. If you died today and went to heaven, what would you tell God about letting you in? Look, if anybody tries to answer the question, they don't believe in Jesus. Because let me tell you the truth. And I want want to help you all theologically right now if you ever go in jeopardy and get asked this. The correct answer is don't open your mouth. 
You want to know what's going to get you into heaven? The fact that you've got his DNA planted inside of you. It's not what you say. It's not how you talk them into it. It's the fact that his spirit lives inside of you. When you get to heaven, just stand there and look him in the eye because he knows his children and you're coming in. It's not a debate. You don't have to say a thing. And if you do not have his spirit living inside of you, then none of those gifts work. And I, I want to help you today invite the spirit of God to move in and to do whatever he wants to do in your life. It's a really simple thing. I'm just going to, I'm just going to help you in a conversation with Jesus. Would you all just pray with me? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me and you gave me life. And especially that you, you filled me with your spirit. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your forgiveness. My simple hope in this place today is that you will give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate with them. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at Grace Life Church. Yeah.